Hello there. Welcome back to The Bleeding Truth. I'm Sally McNally, the Irish midwife. And I'm Bridget, Sally's daughter. In today's episode, we talked about home birth, so stay tuned for that. It was inspired from one of your guys' excellent questions. There is a link in the description below so you guys can ask us more questions and we'll answer them in future episodes. Great. I would love to have a home birth, but my friends and family are fearful of this option. Do you think home births are safe? It's such a loaded question because if they're safe, are they safer? Uh, And of course, we always want the best for our baby. So the question would be, what is the safest option? But even that's going to be a difficult one to answer. And I think that some home births are safe and I think that some hospital births are safe. And for the most part, both are a safe option. But what is the safest option? And that's probably why your family they're worried because they may have heard some stories about babies or moms getting into danger when they're in home birth. But there's dangers in the hospital also. So a mother, a young mother has to weigh up those options. What is the safest option for me personally? So she has to look at herself first about her health. How is her health? Has she got a normal BMI? Has she got diabetes or high blood pressure or twins or a breach? Is there anything that would put her into a high risk category if she delivered at home and didn't have all of the extra extra care that we have in the hospital? Um, And then uh, she has to look at the midwife that would be delivering her. How much experience does that midwife has? Does that midwife have, you know, an an easy way to transition to the hospital if they run into problems and just like a backup plan right right Uh, and then when she looks at the hospital uh, who's the midwife or the doctor that's going to deliver her there do they have experience and are they going to respect your birth plan you know whatever type of a birth that you wanted Mm -hmm. Uh, I know many great midwives who deliver at home and uh, they have birth centers as well here in town and they all are you know trained in neonatal resuscitation uh, cardiac resuscitation for the mom if needed but for me I mean I'm trained and certified in all of those things also but I'm still not courageous enough to do a birth at home Uh, because I've seen so many things. I've seen, you know, beautiful, natural labors, but then there's a postpartum hemorrhage or the baby needs Mm. resuscitation. And I mean, I trust my neonatal resuscitation, but if there's somebody who would be better to resuscitate that baby, I want them to be the ones doing it, of course. And I have the best neonatal team all I have to do is say, bring NICU in. Even if I don't need them, you know, they're there just in case if there's something, you know, at the end, if the baby's having decelerations or something looks like perhaps the baby might need a little resuscitation. Mm-hmm. I have the best team, the best care. And then the baby can be transported across the corridor. So the baby wouldn't have to come from home to the hospital. So for the baby... That for me is the best, right? That just in case anything could happen or go wrong, the baby has the best care. Mm -hmm. And then when I look at the mom, uh, we know that, uh, of course, 
in hospital, if we look at the board any day of the week, maybe 27 to 30 percent of our patients have had C-section. Now, is that because they're in the hospital or is it because they needed it? You know, mm-hmm. so it's a kind of an answer that we'd have to look at each each patient. Sometimes it's a repeat cesarean section that she's chosen or her doctor has advised her to have. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's an emergency cesarean section during the labor. The baby wasn't feeling so good or the mom uh, started to bleed or uh, sometimes it's an obstetrical emergency where with that 1% of all births um, that they need, you know, uh, complete care. And who is to know who that 1% is going to be? That's the problem. Right. We can't look at 100 women and say, ah, that lovely curly haired, red haired lady, that's the one. We can't say that, you know. It, there's no yeah. clue to who is going to need that complete care and the complete care is usually an emergency cesarean section and could be you know a neonatal resuscitation so i've never heard that term of like complete care that's that's like different from some other types of emergency c-sections it's like a more dramatic version yeah is that what you mean yeah and more serious cases very serious at th- things like if the cord prolapsed, if the cord came in front of the baby's head, then mm-hmm. as the baby moves into the pelvis, that cord gets trapped between the pelvis and the bony skull of the baby. And of course, the oxygen, the blood supply is being right. cut off. And um, what do we do in a case like that? Whoever finds it has to push the baby's head off the cord and mm-hmm. then an emergency cesarean section is performed. Now, the mm-hmm. baby usually comes out fine the, because if the person has, you know, been in the a right place with the right person and that's discovered, then the baby's usually fine. Right. Often women don't want to be monitored if they're trying to do a natural birth. Uh, in the hospital, mm-hmm. we have the best of both worlds. We have this monitor that's called a monica and it's just a little sticky monitor She's not tied to a machine. She can be in the tub. She can be in the shower. She can move around, do whatever she wants. And we can Mm -hmm. still keep an eye on the baby's heart rate. And we would use that, you know, if we're worried about anything, you know, we just want to make sure that baby's okay. Right. Sometimes they don't even want that. And then we would do a thing called intermittent monitoring. What would be the, sorry, what would be the reason for not wanting any monitoring? Um, sometimes they just don't want us to, you know, be looking at them or touching them all the time. And sometimes you have to like re- readjust the monitor a little bit. Um, oh. Then there's the other types of monitoring, like a Doppler monitor that we might listen into every half an hour or so. Uh, then there's the electronic monitoring. Uh, and the electronic monitoring, they're plugged into a machine and it shows up on a screen. Uh, okay. As, as does that, Monica does that as well. And then there's internal monitors that we can put right up inside the uterus and to the baby. So there's various levels. Um, and we have all these great toys, we call them, in, in the hospital. Um, and we use them, you know, just if we think we need them, we tell the patient. And if we mm-hmm. have a good enough reason, usually the patient agrees. Um but sometimes I think that when you're in the hospital, 
we start breaking out our toys needlessly. Um, mm. We feel like, oh, she's here. We should do something. We should make her have the baby, right? Even though mm. she might be in a beautiful labor pattern and she's making progress, but, you know, some sometimes a provider might want to do it quicker. Let's rupture the right. membranes. Let's give her medicine to make her contract more. Oh, wow. And, and that's where we run into trouble. That's where we're interfering with nature. If she was in a good mm. labor pattern, yeah, maybe we should leave her alone. Do you think that because of COVID the last like couple years, people have been exploring the idea of home birth more than coming in because they just don't want to be, I don't know, when masked and yeah, you know, not right. allowed to have people in there and yeah. stuff like that as well. When COVID was really bad, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of patients were afraid to come to the hospital because we right. didn't know, you know, what happens to the baby if they get COVID. What, you know, we didn't know. It was all so new. Yeah. So a, a lot of women did choose to go to home birth or birth centers uh, rather mm-hmm. than come to a big public hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I. I don't know how I would have felt either. You know, if I was a young mom, you're, you know, the vaccination hasn't even been rolled out. You know, you hear of all these deaths every day and it was very scary. Right. And then the thought of having to wear a mask as well. So now when a, when a patient comes in, she's tested for COVID. If she's negative, uh, usually when she goes to deliver the baby, they take the mask off. I know for me, I'm fine not having that mask on because she needs to be able to breathe. breathe. Yeah, And of course, you can breathe with your mask on, but... Of course, but yeah. it's different, I feel like, when you're probably yeah. going through contractions and stuff. It's yeah. just an extra uncomfortable thing. Yeah. You're in an uncomfortable environment, or just different to what, you know, your home is, your comfort zone, usually. Yeah. So I, I do understand that. Yeah. But I, I'm very conflicted because, you know, I teach childbirth classes. I teach regular yeah. childbirth class. But I also teach a, a separate hypnobirthing class. And part of the curriculum, I show births every week. And I show mm-hmm. what we call land births. That is, that's where women deliver in the air, and you know. Um, <laughs> and then I show <laughs> water births, right? <laughs> and, um, of course the water birds they look so nice and the women say to me oh can we do that in the hospital and I have to say no I'm really sorry uh, we don't mm. have that option they can labour in the tub but they can't push their baby out in the tub first the tub's too small for them to do that um, and also we're, we're just uh, not organised enough it might come later you know there's like kind of like a little rumor that it might come later but we're not anywhere near it just yet so birth centers offer that yeah or like home, home births, births yes yeah. home births and and birth centers yeah they do yeah right which is a what's great option appeal, right what's the appeal for for water birth I'm just curious well it seems like being in the water uh it it keeps them their body warm and uh, softens the pelvic floor in a nice way mm. uh, and it's soothing to the mom and it seems to be less uncomfortable a lot of women mm. say it's so much better to be in the water 
Interesting. Yeah, and, and now that I've seen so many water birds, and I mean, of course, I was trained on how to do water birds as well. Um, okay. But now when I see, I can I can see a value in that. So I'm I'm going to really fight for that, that we can get water birds in the hospital because that's the last little piece of the puzzle because right now in in the hospital where I work, we can do everything that a woman asks for except that she can do whatever she likes she can deliver in whatever position she wants to if the baby and her are are doing okay in it she can move around she can uh, have you know her loved ones there she can be in the tub most of her labors she can you know there's a lot she can do except push her baby out in the water and I, I really respect women's choices for their birth. Mm-hmm. So we teach them, you know, here, this is how to make a birth plan. Ask for whatever you want, but you can't have that one thing that you probably want because yeah. I've showed you how nice it is. And so that's a bit of a conflict for me. Yeah. And the water birth, yeah. it does, honestly, it looks really nice. And a lot of women choose that, especially women who want to do a natural yeah. birth. But going back to like the home birth in in particular, as you were describing it, it does seem like it might be more comfortable in some ways, even if it's like a home water birth or something, but it's more risky. Do you have like personal experiences that you remember these things happening or have, you know, home births that end up coming in and then you have to rush to the hospital or something? Well, first of all, I was born at home. So that's my really? first that's my first experience with it. In Ireland. Yeah. My mother had her first three daughters in hospital births and then mm-hmm. she decided her next birth would be at home. And her first home birth just happened to be a set of twins. But it was a set of twins uh, at home because she didn't know she was having twins. She Yeah. She pushed out the first twin and the midwife said, "Oh, there's another one in there um and of course that second twin was transverse laying wideways not breech not head down but wideways so she had to call the flying squad the flying squad was an obstetrician and another midwife so in my mother's house she ended up with two midwives and an obstetrician and they were able to reach up and turn the second twin into, I guess, they turned her into a breach, I believe, and delivered the baby that way. Wow. Um, so very That's exciting. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting, but very scary. Right? Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine? how t- She said she was terrified, um, yeah. but not so terrified that she didn't opt for another home birth with me. So <laughs> Yeah, because you came after the twins. Yes, I came after the twins and I was bigger than the two of them put together. They were like half, five pounds and a few ounces. Wow. And I was ten and a half pounds. I suspect my mother might have been diabetic with me. <laughs> poor, poor mom. I used to call her wow. on. I used to call her on my own birthday to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was pushed out in the bedroom at home in Ireland. Wow. Uh, so that was And my... her, her own birth story is crazy, right? Wasn't she born yes. in a car or something? Well, not a car, a cart. It was like a, 
horse and trap, she told me. Uh, <laughs> it's like a little cart wow. and a horse. Yeah. Christmas night or Christmas Eve. Christmas night. night. Mm-hmm. Wow. Poor horse drawn carriage. Yeah. That's a different type of yeah, home that, birth. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. So um, then I was trained in hospital births, right, uh, in Ireland. I wasn't really encouraged to do a home birth at that time. So the trendy thing was to do your birth in a hospital. Here in America, it's kind of a trend now to do home births or birth centre. And I think the reason is because they're afraid that we're not going to allow them to have a lovely natural birth in the hospital right that as soon as you're in the hospital uh interventions are introduced and maybe also sorry maybe also the like um it's easier to give in to it not being as natural oh my gosh you're so right you're being you know pushed to not necessarily pushed but it's just it's easier to say yes to a um yeah what's it called when you get numbed an epidural epidural or something exactly i i've seen that you know like a woman come in saying i want to do a natural birth um but you know a few hours later somebody might come in the door and say to her did you want an epidural because the anesthesiologist is out at the desk and he's going for his dinner so the intonation there is that if you don't say yes now, maybe you'll miss it because he's going to his mm. dinner, right? Mm. He can not have dessert and come back and give you an epidural if you change your mind, right? But when you're very vulnerable when you're in labor and just like or you're just pain, yeah. yeah. And and also it's it's so much easier to to give in, right? Yeah. Uh, Because you know, all you have to do is say, drugs, please. And somebody's going to go get you. There you go. It's it's like that, honestly. It's like, and it's it's everyone's job to give her what she wants because that's what she's asking for. And if it's a natural birth, she gets that too. See, that's the thing. I, I witnessed many beautiful natural births in the hospital and women need to know that that they have the power to speak up and tell us what they want you know Mm -hmm. and what they don't want maybe they don't Mm -hmm. want to be offered medication right because if you're offered medication in the middle of a contraction of course you want relief from it you know of course somebody please take it away but you know if somebody's there saying instead You've got this, you're strong, you're wise, take a breath, you're almost there. That's that's what women need to hear when they're do trying you think to do that young midwives are taught to talk like that to patients, or are they just taught what to do, get this for that, you know? Or is there really any education about like how to talk to Well, I think that we are taught a certain amount. Um mm-hmm. but I, uh, it's something that you learn by being in the labor room. The more mm-hmm. hours, the more births, the more time spent with laboring women, um, you learn a certain way to sense their type of personality and the words that they need. Um, mm. You know, some women, you can't stand in front of them and look at their face and say, how does it feel? 
is it hurting? You know, you can't talk to a woman like that, you know. Right. Or even to say on a scale of one to ten, what would you put your pain? You know, it's like, how can she say that? Because she's never maybe had a baby before. So she's nothing mm-hmm. to compare it with. So it's really like we we should be getting up closer to them, just close to their ear maybe and just saying, are you coping? Like that's a better question, right? Then what's the scale of your pain? Right. Because even the word pain uh, is a negative thing. And, and right. even the word contraction now can be a negative thing in a patient's mind. I like to call it like uh, from hypnobirthing, we, we call it surges, like surge of energy. Um, mm-hmm. Or for the woman to pick her own word for what she's feeling, something that's a positive word like squeezing or pressing thinning or opening you know and surging is is a great one mm-hmm. but uh, women need to know that they can do a beautiful birth in the safest place right. and we in that safest place need to keep it safe and not mm-hmm. you know push her on further and further into a web of interventions and I see that mm-hmm. happening sometimes we'll rupture the membranes she'll get an early epidural the baby will have a deceleration we'll put mm-hmm. internal monitors we'll give her too many IV fluids we'll wash away her natural hormone that's making her contract then she ends up getting pitocin it's a web of interventions that that the women sense and have heard about out there in the communities. Mm. And so we need to be strict with ourselves to like pull back. She really, really wants to do a natural birth. Can we help her with that and resist all of our interventions? I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I'm like, if I could just pop that membrane, I know she'd go faster, you know, and I'll present that to her. And, you know, sometimes a woman will think, oh, it sounds like you're giving me advice to do that. And then, you know, sometimes she'll want to go faster, but maybe it was just my impatience and not hers. Interesting. So it's a very interesting thing that happens when you're in the in the hospital. Yeah, I guess I, I hadn't thought about that because I, it is true, like you're on call or anybody, you know, midwives and doctors are often on call. You get calls at middle of the night. You might go in or inconvenient times. We might be in the middle of recording a podcast and you have to go in. And you don't really think about that, how the midwife has or, or the doctor has a life going on and they're But we waiting. don't. We shouldn't have that as an issue. You know, it shouldn't. Well, it, yeah. yeah. But, it might just be like 1% of, you yeah. know motivations to make decisions yeah and that's a human thing when you think about it it's peer pressure as well right some Mm -hmm. women have this peer pressure with their group of women and friends you know Mm -hmm. that some of them have been having home births or some of them have been having hospital births and the peer pressure is to do the same as them you know because Mm -hmm. we all want the person to have the same experience so that yeah. they don't have a better experience, right? And women are like that, you know. <laughs> they don't mean to be like that, but I've seen that in the labor room that, you know, some women will talk to other women like, even though they might be their sister, they'll say, well, I had an epidural and my babies are fine. 
you know, mm. or they might say, you don't want an epidural. No, no, you're fine. You can do it. I can do it. You can do it. And that's not the right way. We need to be focused on who this person is and what it is that they want. Maybe they mm. really do want an epidural or maybe they really do want a natural birth. And if they want a natural birth, sometimes it's more work for us. You know, mm. sometimes their body might be moving a lot more when their baby's being born or or, or it might take a little longer, or it might take less time, it might be fast and furious. Uh, but it is very exciting. It's always my favorite is the natural birth. What, what's a good percentage, guess what percentage of your, your births are, you know, natural versus not? Oh, wow, I would fully. have to look at that. Because like you say, once they're in the hospital, the temptation of the epidural is right there, mm-hmm. going for his dinner, right? Um, uh, I I would hope that it's at least ten percent, but and that sounds like yeah. small. That does sound really small. Mm-hmm. I'll look at that for you. Get it? Okay. Yeah. But that peer pressure for women. If there's a woman listening now, she's asked that question. I think that uh, the death rate of babies born at home is a little higher than the death rate for babies born in hospital Mm -hmm. so they might look at the statistics for the babies and then for the moms I believe that um, we do see some women being transferred not a lot anymore but Mm -hmm. uh, we do see some women being transferred for different reasons most often reason is that she's changed her mind and now she wants pain relief Um, Mm -hmm. and we should accept them just like any patient coming in in labor, instead of like, oh, well, the home birth didn't make it. Here we go. Now we're going to save the day. And of course, we try to save the day, but we, we're all on the one team. That's the thing. And we're all on team woman and trying to help women achieve what they're looking for. And that's the birth that they're dreaming of. They have to uh, listen to their own wisdom. Sometimes a woman will get a feeling like, I should do this, you know, and they should really listen to that inner wisdom. I always say, well, what are you feeling yourself? What is she thinking? What's she feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, recently I had a woman, we were pushing and pushing and pushing for like over three hours. And I have a lot of energy. I can keep going, you know. Um, but her inner wisdom told her, no, I want to stop. I want to have a C-section. And I was like, oh, if we could just push for another 20 minutes, we'd get a baby out. Nope, she wanted a C-section. And I'm glad because the baby was starting to have decelerations and it was Mm -hmm. time and we did a C-section and and the baby's reserves were getting low. So she made the right choice, you know. Um, And we were coming to the conclusion that that's what we may need to do you know in the end but uh she felt it you know before we we did i I was so proud of her yeah of course mom and baby are fine um uh, but when i think about uh home births right i think of courage and courage is an interesting word you know when you're going into labor you have to like have a sense of courage because You've heard all of the horror stories of the things that could go wrong, you know, right? You've listened to our podcast. So (laughs) 
<laughs> You're yeah. definitely a little scared. All right, and I'm really sorry about that. Um, but it's it, in one way, it's good to know that things can go wrong. And in another way, it's scary and it creates yeah. tension and fear. But if a woman knows that, say, her breech baby could get stuck, she might say, well, I don't want to deliver my breech at home. But that might be the only way she could deliver a breach now. So it's the courage to go against the grain. So say if your instinct is saying, I'm afraid to deliver my baby at home, then go to the hospital. But mm-hmm. bring all of your bag of tricks on how to have a nice natural birth. You right. know, don't think that just by handing your birth plan to a nurse that that's going to make it happen. No, the birth plan is for you. It's not for the nurse. She'll help you in any way you want her to. But Mm -hmm. the birth plan is, I plan to do this. So women have to understand that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, And then the courage of the midwives who do home deliveries. I mean, that's scary, you know, because I know the things don't go wrong. I've been through all of those things. And the thought of having that responsibility, it would mm-hmm. weigh on me. I wouldn't sleep a wink, day or night, you know. Uh, and if they have, you know, my respect because that takes courage. Yeah. So, uh, and then the, the courage, uh, for me, I am a natural birth birther, right? I love it. That's my, you know, sugar jam. in life, my jam. <laughs> Um, um, but I I don't have enough confidence that I would do it at home not at this stage wow. of my life not at this stage of my experience I but I, I would advise I think, you to come armed with natural labor choice you know because I mean maybe maybe my perspective is that you you would know what to do you'd be fine if you had to deliver somebody from home but yeah. if you have the choice yeah. then that makes sense why you would choose yeah. a hospital yeah. setting. Exactly. But if you were in that emergency s- situation, I have confidence you'd be really, really equipped for it. I could but... do so much and mm-hmm. probably get through most of the things that could pop up. But mm-hmm. I know the 1%, the 1%, that curly-headed, red-haired lady, I can't tell who she would be. You know, yeah, and that's my problem, and I don't have enough courage to not bring her my best, right? And wow. my best is not just me. My best is the scrub tech who's got that OR damn path that has everything organized, everything we would even dream of. She has mm-hmm. it right there, or the surgeon's hand so skilled to get your baby out like within eight minutes, or the NICU staff who can tell just by looking at the baby what's needed like instantly and and to call and say get this ready we're, we're, we've got this baby that's my best and it's nothing mm-hmm. to do with what I've got in here wow and so so of course I'm a coward no <laughs> and that's how she sums it up no <laughs> I don't accept that last <laughs> statement at all but I'll, I, I just have seen so much that that's, that's the choice I make. I, I, well, I think it's a respectable choice. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> not a cowardice choice. But it's a hard yeah. one because I'm I'm not saying you know, you're not going to be safe. You probably would be safe having your baby at home. And it would be yeah. beautiful. You'd be comfortable. You know, you'd have your, all the family there that you want. Nobody's going to mm-hmm. restrict that. And you would, you know, uh, be in your own, you know, vibe. But you can create that in the hospital. People don't know that, you know, we have music blaring, that you your, your music streaming in. We have the lights turned down, you know, the position that you want. You just got to know that you can do that lovely birth in the hospital too. Well, thank you for for whoever asked that question because I think it was a really important one to discuss. You know, I was a charge nurse in on the labour and delivery unit for 20 years um, and we've come a long, long way. There's labour support committee to support the women. What can we do to make it better for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have um, lactation consultants on every corner to help you with breastfeeding. Uh, we have the nurses are trained up to the gazelle. Oh my God, is that a word? They're <laughs> trained so well. Um, I just spoke with my patient this morning who wanted to say how wonderful her nurses were. Um, mm. that they just knew exactly how her body needed to be positioned and her baby needed to turn and her labor was fast and wonderful and her you know her body was intact and it was her first baby she was like really excited about the birth and it was the obstetrician who delivered her baby but it sounded like the exact birth she wanted it was beautiful Great. yeah yeah so i'm yeah. really proud of everybody uh that but it's it's everything, you know, it's she has to do her part, too, which is to eat a good diet, get a little exercise, you know, keep uh, talking to your midwife, your obstetrician, keep going to your visits, make sure that there's nothing being missed, you know, to to keep yourself as safe as possible. And communicate in the moment, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, some things you can't change, whether you're in a hospital or at home. You know, uh, I mean, I, I know of a, a really great, well-trained midwife. She went, you know, she had a really, um, it wasn't her birth. She was there helping a home birth and a really bad outcome. The baby didn't make it, you know, and she's traumatized by that. Of course, who wouldn't be a poor mom? Uh, and then, uh, you know, it, it is just a difficult one. Perhaps that exact same outcome could have happened in the hospital. Right. But no one can tell because she wasn't there. Right. So I hope that makes a little sense. Um, It may not have helped the person who asked that question. She may be just as confused. Sometimes these questions, I feel like I'm answering in in two parallel lines, like a a politician's answer, uh, so that I don't upset anybody on either side. (laughs) But it's the truth of how I feel. Right. It's my bleeding truth. Yeah. But uh, it depends. Also, what is she looking for? She she She's thinking about home birth because she doesn't want something. What is it she doesn't want? Mm-hmm. Then say and, no to that, you know? Yeah. Say, no, I don't want my membranes ruptured. Or no, I yeah. don't want medication. Yeah. 
Women need to know that they have this big, powerful voice when they're in the hospital. And we respect that. I love it when a woman says, "Uh, can you get your fingers out of there now? Because I'm in there trying to figure out what way that baby is. And they're like, "Uh, stop. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yes, of course. And it's like um, women have a say in who does what, when to their body. Yeah. Use that voice, girls. The membrane's being ruptured. That just sounds awful. What can you explain that? Because I don't really understand oh, that yeah. at all. Yeah. Sorry, Bridgie. Um it's okay. so if you can imagine the baby's up there floating in a bag of water. Mm. And some about ten percent of women will come into the labor room with that bag of water ruptured and the water's flowing. Oh, out. that's when your water breaks. When your water okay. breaks, yeah. Gotcha. And uh, ruptured sounds like a, a, an aggressive word to rupture it, right? But really, it's just to make a hole in it so that the water can flow out. If it wasn't ruptured, sometimes the tension gets so much that the bag of water breaks itself throughout the labor. And that's what usually mm-hmm. happens. Uh, sometimes it's just before the contractions start. Sometimes it's after the contractions. And every now and then, a baby will be born in the bag of water. Whoa. And then a little hole is made and the baby escapes. That's so called... basically like fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, we're like fish. Not really. <laughs> I've only ever seen one baby being born completely in the call. It's called the call when oh, it's okay. still. Um, and I saved that membrane and I gave it to a fisherman at home in Ireland because fishermen, they always want that membrane. Um, they put it on the mast of their boat. Uh, and, you know, it's just an old wives thing about keeping them safe out in the ocean. Because out in the ocean in Ireland, the waves are like huge, you know. And long ago, fishermen would get swept away and drown. Sometimes they never got back to shore. Um, and they, they always thought, well, that was a lucky membrane because that was a person born in water, like a mermaid, right? Uh, uh-huh. So they would pay the midwives for that membrane that's weird i know (laughs) i gave it to a fisherman and i'm weird (laughs) that's insane and he was happy he took it yeah he was like great he was like i got my membrane i'm never gonna drown it's an irish thing yeah of course (laughs) uh i i feel like we've only just touched on this um perhaps you know I need to go with the home midwives and sit and feel their courage and get one of them on the podcast. Get one of them I on think, the podcast. I think yeah. that would be a great way to continue this conversation because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot more questions to yes. ask yeah. and more detailed things to talk about. Okay. Yeah. I will do that. <laughs> cool. For uh, season two, we ha- we're going to have... Yeah. Uh, some guest speakers yes yeah so looking forward we're we're wrapping up season one and we're gonna start asking some midwives and other people from the field to talk on our podcast and and share some of their insights as well and stories and all of that yes great 
Looking awesome. forward to that. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Bleeding Truth. Please give us a like and subscribe and share the podcast with anybody that you think might be interested. And we'll see you in the next one. So thanks a million. Thanks a million.